0: Welcome to episode 478 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a grand conversation with actor, writer, producer, and co-artistic director of the theater group, What Will the Neighbors Say? Anna christina da silva anna talks with us from her place in brooklyn new york we discuss how it all started from florida to austin to new york city the edinburgh fringe festival provoking questions through untold stories abortion access hurting her foot and finding theater wearing multiple hats a puppet show nuanced conversations trauma and sexual assault, meeting people eye-to-eye, patience, and empathy, among other things. A grand conversation with Ana Cristina Da Silva this go-round. We have an EW essay called Cloth Parts. We share the fifth installment of our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavise's essay series called Watch the Ice. This one is titled Tattooed Woman at the Bar as performed by actor extraordinaire Dominic Azzarelli. And we have an EW poem titled Roberta. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 478 of Troubadours and Tours. Cloth, pants, everybody gets a gun, nobody gets a choice, it's a culture war baby, the bad guys are winning, what do we do, one should not lose their cool, though too, one must have some fire in their belly to do what he, she must do. I am talking in the context of peace to take down this beast, the people who actively cultivate the fissures and divides so that we are distracted and they can hide the greed and unabandoned lust for power they have and be and need to survive. I saw a little boy the other day, maybe five or six, standing on a sidewalk Facing the road, I was driving on, steadfast, yet betwixt, old, tattered, faded, blue, long, cloth pants, cuffed at the ankles, long, sleeve, wrinkled, plaid, button-down shirt, rolled up at the wrists, uneven, untucked, old, mud-dirty, laced shoes, One of his arms the left, hanging straight down toward the ground, hands slightly cupped, palm facing back. His other arm bent at an obtuse angle, the knuckles of his hand facing the road. His fingers curled down, but for the middle one. It pointed straight up with a little tilt to the right. His face was sullen and cold of expression, and yet vibrant with life. This to me, that day and today, is an emblem and the fruit of our history, our sins, our glory, our arrogant largesse and impatient selfish ways, our dumb religion and missed opportunities at community and true love. This is our American demise, our American strife. There is nothing but open sky and endless space below and above. And this is the conclusion of a dream for an American good life. Those false lullabies speaking of absolute truth mix it in with some vermouth and get drunk on the lies aren't you tired of living this way Hello, Ana Cristina Da Silva. Is that you?
1: Yeah, that's me.
0: Thanks for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
1: Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Well, before we get started, let me share a little background information with our listeners. Absolutely. Ana Cristina Da Silva is an actor, writer, producer, and co-artistic director of What Will the Neighbors Say? with a mission to provoke questions through untold stories. Born in Florida, raised in Austin, but not quite from anywhere, Ana Cristina is a first-generation American. Both her parents were born and raised in Caracas, Venezuela. She studied drama and social and cultural analysis at NYU. She also trained with the Stella Adler Shakespeare Conservatory. Most recently, she joined the Drama League for the North American debut of Pure. Anna Christina also toured in the Diana Tapes, portraying Princess Diana, in an internationally acclaimed tour ending in London, where she made her off-West End debut. Her work has been described as, quote, chilling, crisp, and focused by Broadway World, fascinating to watch by the Providence Journal, and memorable by theater is easy. Troubadours and rock on tours is happy to have on the program Anna Cristina de Silva. Again, thanks for being on.
1: Wow! Thank you so much. What an introduction. Really? I really appreciate being
0: here. Oh, cool. Well, let's get started with, uh, you know, your I guess beginning. How did, how did you get to where you are from uh, Florida to here?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know. My uh, father's work took us to Austin and in Austin I was exposed to quite a wacky array of artists visual and theatrical alike and after 17 years of being in Austin Texas I wanted to mix it up a little bit and I was really inspired to go to NYU Um, so I auditioned and got in and spent my time there studying drama at the Experimental Theater Wing, where um, I met my co-artistic directors, Sam and James, who uh, founded What Will the Neighbors Say? with me, and yeah, that really is what started our journey, is um, undergrad and exploring experimental theater techniques together, and we ended up, um, my junior year of college, they're a little bit older than me, but we worked on two shows together during a summer. The Diana Tapes was one of them, and Sources of Light Other Than the Sun was the other. Uh, When we took the Diana Tapes to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, it was a hit. We made a profit, and we learned then that we had something going for us and that we not only were good theatrical collaborators, but ultimately really skilled producers and complemented each other's skill sets. So that's when we decided to incorporate, and that led us down a path of, all right, we were incorporated and we're an LLC and then we got fiscally sponsored and ultimately we decided to become a not-for-profit theater institution um, to provoke questions through untold stories. So that's a little bit about my journey.
0: Sounds great. Now, a span of time, what uh, what years are we talking? You know, starting at yeah. NYU and to where you you know, you, you ended up starting your theater company.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, um, Started my journey at NYU in 2013, and then we founded the company in 2016. Um, I graduated in 2017, and we are about to uh, reach our sixth birthday in August. So uh, we have uh, been around for six seasons.
0: Excellent, excellent. And when you say you, you know you're you're trying to provoke uh, people to think, basically, and and to explore important issues in society. Uh, in, in, in are these, uh, is this done mostly by original works or are you using works that have been around for a long time and reinterpreting, reinterpreting them and things of that nature?
1: We produce exclusively uh, original works and um, another way in which we like to provoke questions through Untold Stories is through our community programming. And so each year we like to host two fundraisers for other not-for-profits that align with us in terms of the questions that we're asking ourselves at this point in time. So my piece that I've been working on is um, about uh, sexual assault and autonomy. And so on June 30th, we have a fundraiser um, aligned with uh, female's rights and autonomy for a fundraiser to raise funds for uh, abortion access. And so in that way, we like to invite our community in and provoke uh, questions about autonomy, not only through the theater that we create and the original work that we create, but um, through inviting them to interesting and exciting events that will spark similar questions and hopefully also gauge uh, interest in the theatrical work that we create.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I could see when you look at uh, some of the the choices you made when you were studying in college, they mm-hmm. they blend together, right? I mean, drama okay. as one uh, area of study and the other social and cultural analysis. Okay. I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. I
1: know. It's crazy. I really did not anticipate it at all. You know, I, I really love to work hard and I'm, so, I'm somebody who loves to learn. And so that's why I ended up doing uh, two majors in school. And it's really exciting and fulfilling to be able to put them into practice um, through this work.
0: Now, when you were younger, you know, growing up in Austin, did you find yourself compelled uh, drawn to the theater or to film or uh, the arts in general?
1: So, when I was younger, I was a gymnast and I had a a bad accident with my foot that left me in a cast for about 3 months and in those 3 months I discovered theater. And I think what really kept me there was the community. And, you know, one of the things I think that is really important about the theater is the community. Like, that's what keeps me there. The people that I work with and um, having a sense of community and people to lean on, um, I think, is what got me there and kept me there. Um, And I've always loved the arts. I'm quite a creative person and visuals and colors and experiencing something live, you know, Austin is known for their live music, mm-hmm. uh, which is theatrical in its own kind of way. And so being present live um, in front of a performance is, uh, yeah, something that I've always loved and enjoyed.
0: And how about some of your influences? Once you realized you like theater, mm-hmm.
1: who who
0: who spoke to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, right now, some of the people that are really speaking to me are, uh, Raja Feather-Kelly, who's been doing a lot of choreography and movement direction. It's um, a part of the theater landscape that I'm really invested in right now and really re- would love to reinvent the way that we use bodies on stage and straight plays. And Raja Feather-Kelly has been doing such an amazing uh, job at that. Um, I'm also really inspired by Anna Devere Smith, who does a lot of verbatim theater, and um, In addition to creating original plays, my company likes to do a lot of documentary theater work, which often is so fulfilling to be able to give people a voice. Um, And also we take their verbatim theater and craft it into a play and reflect it back to them, which can be a really cathartic experience. So Anna DeVere Smith is someone who's really influenced a lot of my work and Claire Barron, um, I just saw her play recently at Atlantic. She's a playwright and an actor and I, I've always been inspired by people who wear multiple hats um, and somehow make it work seamlessly as an actor and a playwright director myself. Um, you can't always wear them all at once, um, and sometimes they pair better together for certain projects. So seeing other people take that on and how they execute that, like Claire Baron, has been really inspiring. And Michelle Coe. I know that's not theater. It's a Michelle Coe is a, a screenwriter, actor, director who uh, recently created I May Destroy You. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just the way that she interprets and retells her own story and acting in it. Yeah, these are some of the people that have uh, really inspired me and brought me where I am today.
0: Great. Now, talking about inspire, inspiring you and in your own work, you, you wrote a my my associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavise, who... Uh, is the one that said, Mm -hmm. we have to have this person on our show. He knows your work. And um, he he told me about a a weighty, as he calls it, puppet drama you wrote about the inner life of a woman as personified by her pet bird. Explain that a bit to us, would you?
1: Absolutely, yes. The piece is called The Chickens Have Come Home to Roost, and uh, the puppet is a a chicken. It's a little chicken bird. It doesn't look exactly like a chicken. It maybe more resembles the, uh, jumping eyeball on Pixar when it comes up and it's like a little white. looks a little bit like that. Um, it's really an exploration of, uh, trauma and how it functions in the mind. So a woman shows up on an, on a stage and it's all white. And the first thing she meets is this talking chicken who says, I'm here to help you. I'm here to save you. And, um, it's a memory play where, Slowly, we go on this date journey and realize that this woman, Angie, has had this really complicated uh, sexual encounter with a man, one where each of the participants' are, actions are difficult and questionable and hard to judge. Um, and we go on this journey of how she can begin to. Swallow the truth of her experience in order to move on. Um, and ultimately, this chicken is that alarm bell, it's that trauma response who holds all of her trauma and her experiences, the current one and all of the past, and her capacity to acknowledge and confront that and what that means for her relationship to this chicken.
0: Wow. That sounds <laughs> pretty heavy, but I mean, it's. I, I I think about what you're what you're working on, and and what is it seems to me based on our brief discussion is important to you, and yeah. you know you live in a great place. You know you live you live in a very progressive uh, right. place, uh, New York City, uh, or you're in you're in the city a lot, uh, and you you know if you step outside and or you see what's going on in many many enclaves within our country. They, A lot of the folks, a lot of our fellow citizens don't think necessarily in the same way that you do. Um, does it frustrate you? Do you just disconnect from it? Do, does it drive you more to try to, you know, in your own way, get a conversation going?
1: Yeah, no, it's... Um, it's certainly challenging at any time to be in an environment where you don't feel like you necessarily meet eye to eye with people and New York is a it's a wonderful place for sure and it is progressive but you know it has its own um shortcomings and even as much as we all think that we are progressive there's so many limitations to each of our understandings of um trauma and sexual assault and autonomy and I the first iteration of this piece when I wrote it it was um not in a unclear sexual encounter it was much more clear that like who was right and who was wrong and I've been trying to lean more and more into it being unclear in my effort to be like hey like no one is necessarily a good or a bad guy it's just like can you if you feel and experience this unsettled moment and then see how it affected this woman not saying the other person is a criminal not saying that they are malicious just simply that this person's actions affected this person in this way maybe we can start to not see it as a black and white conversation of like this person is good and this person is bad but more like oh this is nuanced like ultimately right now i feel like a lot of this country doesn't have the capacity to have nuanced conversation we're all really on defense and we don't want to be the bad guy and in this play i'm that's what i'm trying to do is open up a conversation where it's like hey this person isn't a bad guy he is but made this other person uncomfortable and can we see and acknowledge that and I feel like theater does a good job of being able to you know put us in a room and experience that sensation it's hard to deny Um, so hopefully this is a way in which I can bring up a conversation where it's like, we're not going to talk about you in a personal experience that you're talking about. Like, this is a fictional play, um, where it's nuanced and unclear and maybe we can connect to that and reflect on like, Oh, these are just actions or reactions. It's not trying to put someone in jail.
0: <laughs> right. or judge, you know, right. so uh, narrowly perhaps, <clears throat> excuse me And the name of the play again.
1: The chickens have come home to roost.
0: And will it be staged anytime soon again? Is it being staged right now?
1: So right now, um, I've had a couple of workshops in the spring. I did um, a workshop in April that was a movement and intimacy workshop to develop the movement world um, and kind of narrow in on the exact kind of intimacy I want to portray. And then in May, I did another script workshop that developed um, character relationships and the script as a whole it's still unfinished Um, the next stage of development in the spring i mean sorry in the fall uh funded by the brooklyn arts council and the creative uh, opportunity fund at art i'm going to build a puppet so we're not at full staging moments yet um but i'm really excited to dive into puppetry in the fall and build that out and hopefully in the next uh calendar year we'll have um all of the elements in the script finished out to fully stage it for a workshop premiere
0: excellent excellent and um your your theater company Mm -hmm. is uh located uh does it have its own home i i know you have a name and you have people involved what will (laughs) the neighbors say is the name of the company Uh, where is your space
1: we are. Our home is in Brooklyn, but we um, don't have a physical location of our own, so uh, we tend to bounce around, rent venues, and co-produce with other organizations and host things there.
0: You're starting to remind me of Bread and Puppet Theater. You know.
1: Oh yes, <laughs> I'm going to go see one of their shows on July 1st. They have a new puppet show that I'm excited to go see.
0: Where is it in the city or is it up in Vermont?
1: It is in the city. It's at La Mama, the Puppet Home.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, um, I I uh, I'm friends with some of those folks, nice. you know. And uh, Peter Schumann, the the founder. Yeah. I, I had I've had him on the show a couple times. I actually did some work with him. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. What what they're all about. And I'm sure again, you you know you know of them and probably in some ways are uh, fans. Uh
1: Our big fans.
0: Yeah, yeah, they. Uh, they, I asked him one time, Peter, I said, well, what's the point of what you're doing? He said, um, uh, "To uh, something to the effect, let me think, to, to dismantle the, the government. He <laughs> <laughs> started laughing. Uh, to dis, yeah, to, to overthrow the government. That's what he said. And he laughed You know, like a crazy person. Uh, he's brilliant. And you guys sound like you're brilliant as well. We're talking to Ana Cristina Da Silva, hey. and uh, she is one of the – co-artistic directors and founders of What Will the Neighbors Say with some Mm -hmm. of her friends and colleagues from NYU. And, um, you know, let me let me ask you about the name of of your theater company. What Will the Neighbors Say?
1: Yes.
0: Where'd you come up with that? Or how did you come up with that?
1: Absolutely. Well, Um, we... Honestly, what we did was we were like, okay, we need a name. So over the course of a week, we just tasked ourselves, each of us, to write down five names a day in a shared uh, Google Doc. And so at the end of the week, we had something like 75 names and we whittled it down. But honestly, it just came out of a conversation, you know, a dinner conversation of like, what are the neighbors going to say? And the original saying is, what would the neighbors say? Um, And we decided to give that a little tweak and say, what will the neighbors say? Because we thought it was emblematic of our tongue-in-cheek style and this sense that we weren't going to ask for permission to speak our minds. We were just going to speak our minds and let the audience respond rather than asking for them for permission to speak.
0: Right. I like that. I like that very much. Now, how about, in your view, Mm -hmm. the importance and, and, and also, you know, what is essential and unique about theater to to humanity, to society.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what brought me to the theater was the people and the community. And its live performance um, brings us together. And, you know, especially during the pandemic, I feel like that really resonated with me over everything else, you know? It's like it feels essential to create space for people to experience live performance because it's reflecting people's issues back at them and giving them, like for someone to see a character go through a, a lived experience that they've had in real time um, can be a really cathartic experience and so providing people the opportunity to see that and witness that live um, feels really essential to me. So. Community programming, like it's all theater and live performances, great. And I feel like if it's paired with robust community programming where we engage the community in conversations after we've given them so much to think about in a theatrical experience, giving them space to have those conversations and to ask us and to challenge us on what we just shared with them feels really essential to me.
0: Yeah, and it sounds exhilarating as well. Um, Now... There is a thing that always comes to my mind when, when uh, talking about these sorts of endeavors, you know, bringing uh, poignant, provocative uh, theater to people. A lot of times the people that come, they're, you, you know, they're in a way already in your, in your uh, sort of world. You know, they're, you're preaching to the choir, as, as I said. And I think it's, it would be very valuable and um, helpful if we could get people that wouldn't otherwise come to experience it. Do you ever think about that? I mean, that's what I think bread and puppet did. They brought it to the people often, right? Uh, They they didn't say come to us. Well, here we are coming at you now. Try to, try to, try to uh, digest this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like how do we get people to the theater that wouldn't necessarily seek it out? And often that's where I feel like the community programs come into play. We, during the pandemic, we, um, started to produce these things called writing workshops um, where we would bring it to the community and we would guide them through prompts where they could either digest their grief because we were going through COVID and share it. And so what we would do is take, have them do this writing workshop, collect all of their materials and then regroup it and play it back to them. Now, the people who often come to these are not theater people. They're not writers. They're just people looking to connect. Um, And I feel like it's a really valuable way in which we can introduce the power of theater to someone. It's like, don't just come and see my finished product, like, come make a product with me, come be a part of the thing. And let me show you what the power of theater can do, what it can do for you about sharing your story and seeing it reflected back to you. And often I feel like that's what plays are, like, sure, they're not every single individual person's story, but what they are is someone create, like, producing a story on stage in an effort to connect with all those other people who've had that same experience or the fundraisers you know just bringing people in in different ways that they wouldn't normally expect and be like and we're a theater company
0: i love it i love it i love what you're doing and i have to ask i'm, I'm hearing all kinds of noises in the background and i like it it creates uh, an environment where, where are you
1: I am in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, on the edge of Clinton Hill and Bed-Stuy, Gates and Franklin. I live on the first floor, so that background noise is the lovely streets of New York City.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, So, uh, we have several minutes left, and I I guess I just want to... You're an artist. You're obviously um, a very intelligent, very educated uh, human being, and... I'm just, as a fellow citizen, as a fellow human, what, what do you think about how things are going in our country?
1: Oof. I mean, it's quite a time to be alive. Uh, certainly. I, um, don't know what to think of it. It's, um... You know, looks like history is repeating itself, and I suppose that's natural. I have, as an individual, really tried to take a lot of deep breaths and gain a sense of patience and um, figure out what battles to pick and what battles to choose. I um, come from a very varied background, so I'm a first generation American. My parents are from Venezuela, but their parents are from different countries, and so I have a very international family, and we do talk about it a lot I it it's hard to feel like you have any agency or like capacity to really change the course of the way things are going um so I I don't know I just try to take every day one step at a time and right now my focus is kind of to slow down like I love theater and make theater and I I'm excited to continue to pursue the craft of sharing my story on stage and connecting with audience members um, but over the last couple of years um, just seeing how the pandemic has panned out and the way our country has kind of found itself divided I'm have just for myself started to think like what does happiness mean like where am I happy is it in New York City all the time And do I need to be a striver all the time or is it sometimes just slowing down and being grateful for the people in my life that I do connect with and that I do align with my values and there's of course a lot of people in this country that I don't align with, but I try to have patience and empathy um, for their point of view um, and keep an open mind in my capacity to communicate with them because everyone has someone something to teach you even if you don't fully align and hopefully that patience can help us all heal.
0: Well said. Uh, Well said. Now, if people want to get uh, connected to what you're doing, how could they do that?
1: Absolutely. I um, am on Instagram. I have a a funny name. It's da, D-A underscore real underscore Anna underscore banana. Um, The reason I started with duh is because it kind of rhymes with banana instead of banana, so it's like Ana Banana. Um, Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram, and I love to post about my work going there, or you can reach out to me via email, Schuler 17 at gmail.com. Yeah, those are some ways you can stay connected with me.
0: Well, it was a pleasure talking with you here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, and uh, once you get the play together after you workshop it and you want to talk some more about it please let us know love to have you on again and we can talk about whatever else you like as well obviously oh. we have a lot going on
1: yes absolutely i'll let you know when my puppet is built and ready and we can talk all about the nitty-gritties of building a puppet or all, any other endeavors that i'm working on you know theater is great and there's also like poetry books and maybe an album of music um an artist of all sorts.
0: Excellent. I, it's, it's great talking with you. Great uh, becoming acquainted with you. Have a, gr- have a wonderful summer.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. It was great to be here, and I loved the conversation, and I can't wait to talk soon. Have a great summer.
0: You too. Take care. Ciao. Ciao.
2: that woman at the end of the bar the one with the tattoos yeah her she reminds me of someone used to be something of a regular a semi-regular let's say i love a woman with tattoos you know that groucho mark song lydia the tattooed lady oh lydia oh lydia say have you met lydia lydia the tattooed lady well, I really liked this particular tattooed lady. She came in usually by herself around 7 o'clock or so, right after the daily number. The geezers would start moaning when their number didn't come up, and she would sail into the bar, take a seat at the end, and order a dirty martini. Now, this isn't exactly a dirty martini kind of joint, but the bartender liked her too. So he'd nod and smile, and he wasn't a smiling sort either, and even chill her glass. Fancy. She would have at the most two drinks and then leave. Small talk with the bartender. A smile or two with the regulars and barflies. Sometimes a friend would meet her and they would sit at the corner table quietly talking for a while. No lining up of shots. No screaming laughter. No loud arguments. A couple of drinks and out the door. Despite the bartender's attempts to dig for info, we didn't know much about her. Job? She must have had one. Boyfriend or husband or partner? Who knew? She was a mystery to us. She was, a what do you call it, uh, an enigma. The main thing that we knew about her, we could see on her arms, and in the summer, her legs, and in one band around her neck. Of course, nowadays, everyone has a tattoo. Your grandmother probably has a heart tattooed on her old butt in those days they were more of a novelty on one arm a bouquet of flowers on the other what looked like a dragon on one leg a string of broken hearts on the other signs and symbols and moons and stars and around her neck a saying in the invented language of fantasy novel i only know that last bit of information from casual eavesdropping on my way to the men's room. I wanted to study these tattoos and know all about them, what they meant, when she got them, why she picked them, but I could only observe from my stool, glances. I didn't want to be pervy or gawky, There's more than enough competition for pervy and gawky in that bar. So, you might ask, why didn't I just sit next to her and start up a conversation? Maybe it was something to do with my history with women. It's been, what's the word, checkered. Let's put aside middle school and high school crushes and heartbreaking one-sided romances that existed only in my head. Let's keep it to adult relationships, so to speak. There was Lola, a fine girl I met at, one of my many jobs. She was a bit of a kook. We were both young and we had lots of fun for a while. We married and divorced in record time. After we married, we didn't have much fun anymore and we both realized it was better to bail out now than to settle in for the long haul. Then then there was Joni. I met her, surprise, at the bar. We had a series of flings most of which involved drinking into the wee hours of the morning. By the afternoon, when we had sobered up, we discovered that we weren't quite compatible. Sober, we didn't seem to like each other much. But by nighttime, we were ready for another fling. And eventually, we were all flung out. Joni moved on to another bar, and I started going home long before the last call. And then there was Francine, lovely girl who worked at the cash register at the convenience store where I bought my lottery tickets. She was studying to be a physical therapist. Smart lady, much smarter than me. We got along great together, but she wanted a normal life, a family. And I wanted, well, I didn't know what I wanted. She could see I wasn't ready for the plunge, and I probably never would be. So she moved on, met a nice fella, and had a happy life. And I'm buying lottery tickets at the same convenience store. Oh yeah, the tattooed woman at the bar. So we exchanged a few words, but I never got the nerve to sit down next to her and start a real conversation. Maybe all that ink intimidated me. She stopped coming in a while ago, and we all still miss her. Ah well. You can learn a lot from Lydia. Great song. I gotta go. Watch the ice.
3: Your mom does that. The <laughs> <Yeah>, ice does. <laughs>
0: On a table crisp yellow-green dandelion bread-pickles tickle the fancy of Nancy and Fred in the summer sun and tantalize Trudy and nebulous Ned into a frenzy. Sweet Henry and Bartholomew whisper wayward words of chance to Glenn and his fluffy white dog named Buttermilk Jim. Jair and Roberta Slim hold hands tight as they walk by the forgiving tree with all of their might, without a word about it stated otherwise, because this secular facade of sweet harmony could crumble to shite.
4: drawn to the wonder I can feel it coming to you hear the night from the river bridge I hear the thunder I hear the storm in your skin on mine tell me what's the story of morning glory whisper it to me in a grand hotel telling me all the time I'm sorry babe but don't I know it it ain't hard to tell you So low you get high before you go come say hello. Cause I'm never gonna find a way to say goodbye, 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 goodbye. hot tears, hot tears. Struggling, what to call? Why you gotta call it anything at all now? Is it a dream or some soft poison? As looking away, till you bled the blues, yeah. Is it a dream or some soft?
0: And there you have it, episode 478 of Troubadours and Rockon Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Anna Cristina da Silva, Dr. Michael Pavis. Dominic Azzarelli, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Stevie Wonder, Buddy Holly, Polo and Pan, Honey Butter, Leif Volabek, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go And do our best with this time. Take care.